and welcome to How to Fail at College. I'm Paul Crowley. And I'm Carl Beckham. How to Fail at College is a podcast about how to survive college or fail miserably trying. Now, Carl, there was a bit of bad news uh, recently that affected us both, and at least for me personally, it was kind of expected, but it still came at in an unexpected way. And that sampler as a podcast is no longer continuing. That you grieve a podcast the way most people grieve in general terrifies me some days, Paul. But I think we both really enjoyed this show, like immensely. I did. It was wonderful. There was I, I skipped exactly one episode of the entire run, and it was just the fact that um, Brittany Luce had such a great personality and brought so many different people and different voices and different ideas to the table. It was just a wonderful, wonderful experience for a podcast. Uh, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, Sampler was a podcast produced by Gimlet Media. Um, it attempted to highlight different types of podcasting shows that are out there, that are out there that people might not have known about. And so it reached into these different areas and brought in these different types of shows. And I don't know about you, but I actually started listening to a lot of shows at the recommendation of what was covered in Sampler. Oh, no, absolutely, Paul. I, I picked up way too many, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> too many that I can't keep up with. Um, I, I'm actually a really huge fan of two of them that I picked up from that, which was W. Kamau Bell's um, Denzel Washington is the best actor of all time, period. Okay. It's not only the best title of a podcast ever, but it's a fascinating take. Uh, and also the Science Verses, which they yes. had the actual episode plugged on one of the samplers. That's a new Gimlet show as well. Uh, if you haven't listened to the first season and its original airing when it was done in Australia, there's some really good episodes there too for Science Versus. Um, and so I like Brittany Lewis. I think she was a great host. I'm glad that she's still going to continue with Gimlet Media. They have a new show that she'll be doing called Brittany on the Loose or something along those lines. Uh, the title isn't 100% just yet, so I am looking forward to whatever her new show is. But with the demise of Sampler due to, I think, just overall low listenership, you do know what this means, though, right? We're going to have to fill that void. <laughs> and we have to create our own podcast show about podcasts. Because here's the problem. Podcasting right now is like TV. We're at peak TV. There's too many good shows. You can't listen. You can't watch everything. So same thing with podcasts. We can't listen to everything. We have to highlight what's most important out there. No. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, in our news segment this week, we have a few different articles uh, that we want to share with you. One of them has to do with a Berkeley professor. Uh, he teaches, let's see, his name is Blake Wentworth, assistant professor of South and Southeast Asian Studies. He has three sexual harassment complaints against, against him. Now, what's interesting about this is that he had two uh, graduate students and one former undergraduate student who all worked with him in his department that have come forward and made these allegations against him, including things of grabbing someone's hands and saying, I could lose my job over this, but I'm just so attracted to you. That's a big no-no. Uh, apparently came up behind her and made offensive comments about visiting a strip club. He also said to one person things he would do to her if he were his wife, and they called the other one Honey and Honey Bear. So basically, yeah, you don't do that. And what's interesting about this news article is that he is now suing these three students for defamation of character. Yeah. 
he, yeah, it says he's causing him emotional distress. Hmm. I think creating a hostile work environment for literally every human being around you, that's emotional distress for yeah. everyone around you. Yeah. Here's the, here's the kicker. I haven't got to the good part yet. He said the woman made false statements, which the school has found out they were not false statements. But this is what I liked. He said, quote, they acted in an outrageous manner and beyond the bounds of decency tolerated in a civilized society, end quote. So this makes me think of dating advice my dad always gave me when I was in high school. And he pretty much said, keep it very simple, keep it in your pants. So let's move on to something a little bit different in news. Let's move on from this guy. One thing that we saw recently was at 14 universities in the Pennsylvania area, Pennsylvania State, they went on strike. The strike was motivated by disagreements over pay. They had gone with without a contract for over a year, and they were upset, upset about increases in their health premiums and how much they were going to have to pay out of pocket for that. So they went on strike. Um, just to kind of go give the end game, strike ended. It lasted for about three days. Three days is a very short strike, especially... It is, but when you look at 14 colleges throughout, uh, throughout that state system, it affected 100,000 students. My goodness. Now, here's what I found interesting about this one. The school system tweeted out, let me see if I can find it, it says, <clears throat> and I quote, regardless if the union chooses to strike, students should report to their scheduled classes unless the university indicates otherwise. <laughs> so, Carl, how many students do you think actually showed up out of that 100,000? I was still amazed when we had almost full classes after a hurricane. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, wow. I would assume that even the most cynical students would quote-unquote support their professors and stay out. Yes. In fact, another quote, another <laughs> little tweet that was shared, it was a picture of students supporting their faculty, showing their support. So my question there is, were they actually supporting the faculty and the loss and contract that they were not having at the moment, or is it so, hey, I don't have to go to class, so I'm definitely going to support you in this? Um, the cynic in me says it was very much the latter of the two, but there's also, especially when you think about it, you know, colleges and universities, that many people are politically engaged and many people are fighting for better pay, equal rights for everybody in those situations, so they're, I'm sure... Yeah, it was not all cynicism. I'm sure there were some deeply honest and deeply moved <laughs> folks standing up for their professors in that moment. Yes. And I'm not saying the professors were wrong. Going without a contract for over a year is not something you want to be in a situation. You know, that's not ideal. However, if you look at it, they were state employees, and all other state employees were being provided the same deal. So they felt that as faculty, they should have preferential treatment over other state employees. That's the only part that I was like, I don't know if you're going to get away with that. But apparently, they did. Well, they weren't the only college. Uh, didn't California do it fairly recently? I don't know if they actually went through with it or was just the threat. Ah, my mistake. Well, moving on from that, let's take our topic this week. We want to discuss something that may not affect every college student, but is something that has a significant impact on how well any student will succeed. So today we wanted to talk about homes, but more specifically living away from them and perhaps even making a new one, which for many students, college is the first time having to deal with that responsibility, striking out on their own or even having helped them navigating living at home and going to college, dealing with your parents as roommates. I never thought about it that way, parents as roommates. 
I don't know if the parents see it that way or not, though. Well, my parents charged me rent at some point in college. Oh. I don't know if you want to say fortunately or unfortunately, but I never actually lived at home with my parents during college. <laughs> yeah. So what was, your, what was your living situation? So at one point you were at home. Uh, mine actually varied pretty significantly. I initially, I think I've mentioned on the podcast before, <clears throat> I went to USC in Columbia for two years. So I had the initial lottery roommate for, my, for about a month. Huh. Um, then moved in, still in the dorms with someone I went to high school with, so I knew them. And then my second year was off-campus housing with a, another roommate. Uh, after that, it was, I did do some living at home, and eventually some commuting for college. So. so you lived in the dorms and then moved back into living at home? Yes. So uh, Dorm, apartment, home, so yeah. <laughs> I had the spectrum. So I imagine that transition back to home was probably not the easiest for you. It was strange. I get along with my parents, they're amazing human beings, uh, but yes, moving, having the freedom of living in a dorm, having that freedom of living in off-campus housing, and then having that arrested development of moving back in with my parents. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think you hit on the key thing, that, that freedom. And then going back, and because you're living in their home, you do have to kind of abide by their rules. They set the guidelines for things. And then that doesn't always jive well with that freedom that you had been experiencing. I know that came to head to me with me one time. Um, I was staying with my mom. She lives in Camden, about a couple hours from here. I was staying the night with her because I was vis visiting with some friends in Columbia. And this was my junior senior year in college. And so I was out late. It was like 2 in the morning or something like that. And she called me asking me where I was because she was worried and concerned and she was like staying up waiting for me and I'm just thinking to myself um, yeah I don't know what to do here because I wasn't really ready to go home yet we were I wasn't doing anything wrong or bad or anything crazy I was just hanging out with some friends but I was like I wasn't used to having someone call and check in on me like that I was used to just kind of doing whatever I wanted to do and it was a little strange what were you doing at 2.30 in Camden? So I was in Columbia. Okay, so you were 30 minutes from Camden. 30 minutes from Camden. We were watching, I think, 51st States. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what we were doing. Your idea of getting wild at that point was watching an Adam Sandler movie? I never said we were getting wild. <laughs> but, I mean, it, it is different. Right. I mean, I had the experience that when I was in high school, actually, one month from graduating, I was not really living on my own. I was living with my older sister at that point. My mom had been remarried, and I was living with her. And then when she got remarried, she ended up taking a job somewhere else. And they did some commuting back and forth. But at one point, she did just move to Camden. That was about approximately one month before I graduated high school. So ever since that point, I never actually lived at home officially, if you want to call it that way. And then I went away for two years in Mexico. I was definitely on my own there. You had actually no contact with your family. You emailed them once a week, and you talked to them on the phone twice a year, Mother's Day and Christmas. And so then you come back, and then I was living in an apartment for a little bit with my sister, then a cousin, and then a friend, and then my wife when we got married. And so I've never actually had to have that experience of going back to live at home, except for that one night when I stayed with my mom. <laughs> the one night. Yeah. Heavens. No, it, uh, as I said, I, I, my parents were very wonderful, very, very supportive, and 
tried to make the transition as seamless as possible for me. There was a bit more understanding. I was might not have behaved like, but I was treated like an adult, which was okay. quite a good thing. So they recognized and tried to respect your status and the things and the ways. Hopefully, you had grown in the time from I living away from home. I did not no, grow. no growth. I probably regressed. <laughs> no growth. Okay. Well, but I mean, if but uh, in all fairness, that's kind of what why we wanted to have this conversation was to have that talk. As we've said, I may not be able to speak well to uh, budgeting money, but I can speak rather knowledgeably about shortcomings of living away from home for that first time. Yeah. And so I think you had referenced this before, but whenever a student is attending college, they do have some options as far as their living situation. So if you're going away to college, a lot of times you do live in the dorms at least for that first year because you definitely don't want to necessarily jump into going into an apartment right away because that can be a very stark contrast. And so the dorm is a good transition phase for you. Um, but some people do go straight to apartments or they go to apartments after that first year or those people who, who don't go, go away at all and they do kind of stay at home. So those are some of the different living situations. And I think what we're going to focus on more is just those people who do go away in some kind of, whether it's 30 minutes away, two hours away, all the way across the country. The giant, giant changes, responsibility, roommates, location, everything is new. And so I think this is something that's, it's both good and bad. You know, we have that freedom that we talked about. You set your own hours, you set your own curfew, you kind of do what you want with your time, you can eat whatever you want. There's no one there directing your life. But at the same time, that's also kind of a, a bad thing because there's no one there directing your life. There's no one there to cook for you. There's no one there to clean the apartment or the place that you're living. There's no one there to do your laundry. There's no one there to help you when you get sick. So that freedom comes at the cost of extra responsibility, which not everybody manages very well. No, absolutely not. <laughs> I, I thought it was fun. interesting, though. I looked on Twitter, and I found some tweets from different students and what their feelings were as far as being away from home or not leaving at all. So one person said, always thought I was content with staying home for college, but I'm really debating going away now. I need change. So I think that's something that we see quite a bit. People have that desire to get away because they want something different. They, they crave that. That new experience, absolutely. I think that's part, as I said, that's part of that whole whether you grow up or not, it is that change that helps you become who you are. That maturity. Well, hopefully. <laughs> uh, one person said, nothing can ever compare to that first home-cooked meal by your mom after being away from college. Bruh. Smiley face with the uh, hearts. Uh, Do not leave home for college. Bad idea. You will never get to eat spaghetti. You will come home right away. I like that one. Uh, being away for college makes you appreciate your home, from the shower to the utensils. This person. Oh, the shower, yes. Yes. Absolutely. Hot showers. Living in the dorm. Yeah. Uh, I should have went away for college. I regret staying at home so much. That's someone who didn't. I honestly wish I would have went away to college instead of staying at home. Another one. When I'm away from college, I thought this was. I thought this was great. When I'm away from college, my sister is my everything. When I'm home, we can't get along for sh Yeah, you know, what's, you know what they say there. Uh, I don't know how things are changing back home while I'm away at college. And college is great and all until you're 15 hours away from home and all you want is a hug from your mom. Oh. I like that one. 
And I think there's something about that, there's something that maybe we overlook sometimes, and that sometimes when you're at home, it's not that your parents are always there maybe talking to you or helping you through your struggles, but just knowing that they're physically there adds a sense of comfort. Oh, absolutely. I, parents are comfort. Um, whether it's a parent, whether it's no parents, whether it's that home life is comfort. You kind of ex see what you expect, and losing that, losing that blanket of comfort is just terrifying. It's really terrifying. I remember the first time it hit me. I, had, I was leaving to go to live in Mexico, right? I was being a missionary from our church. And for two months, you actually go to Utah first. So you can actually learn Spanish. So you can understand people when you get there. It wasn't until, it wasn't even that first day in Mexico. We got there. We stayed the night. We had Domino's pizza. So I was like, hey, everything's normal, right? It was that following morning when I met the first person I was going to be working with. And we were on the bus back to the house that we were living and just seeing the barren desert. At that point, it hit me. Oh my goodness, I am like two or three thousand miles from home. I'm not going to talk to any of my family over the phone, like verbally, for a few more months. I get to email them a week from now, and it just—I was like, "This sucks, big time." And that homesickness just hit me like a punch in the gut. That's some pretty brutal isolationism you have, Paul. Like yeah. for me, mine was just. My parents took me to college, took me out to eat, slowed down as they were passing my dorm. My dad reached across, opened the door, and pushed. <laughs> nice. Uh, but I can still call them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I think this goes into something, though, about not having that support system there, not having that comfort, because that is what kind of leads to that growth. And you start to form hopefully social relationships with other people. You start to establish new friendships. Mm -hmm. And those people, because they're all hopefully are most likely going through the same thing, they become like really fast friends. It's like you are living and going through the trenches with these people. And it's one of those experiences that you understand each other. And when you look back in time and you try to explain it to someone else, they never they don't they just don't get it. No, no, I I absolutely see that. And with my experience of living in the dorms, USC. When you go, when you go to USC or you go to Clemson or you go to uh, College of Charleston, having grown up in Myrtle Beach, you know half of the class hmm. because you've it's you're staying in state and there's going to be 50, 60 kids from your high school right there with you. For many of us, and I, some of my closest friends were there with me, and they packed up. They kind of stayed insular, didn't really branch out, mm. and it took time before everybody started meeting people a little bit more. It was just easier to kind of clump together with what was familiar yeah. than to kind of branch out. I was in some ways lucky to have a terrible roommate my first few weeks, so I was kind of pushed out to meet other people. Gotta get away from this guy, was, right? Oh, heavens, <laughs> yes. Um, it, that behooved me, and I met some really wonderful people that freshman year, and it was people I was hanging out with both years I was there. I did get, I'd say I got a little bit more insular as time went on, right. but yeah. And see, I think my, if I, when I look back to my college experience, it seems a little atypical to me. I got most of the living away from home and forming those friendships by doing the whole missionary thing for two years first in Mexico. So when I got to college, 
I'm still back here in Myrtle Beach going to Coastal. I'm not living at home. I'm living with a cousin and with a friend. But I have family kind of nearby, you know, my sister's in town, my dad, and whatnot. And then I go to class. I'm not with the people I went to high school with, though, because they're already two years ahead of me. And so I'm going to class, and I'm just trying to learn what I need to. And so I was a little anti-social. Like, I didn't, I made no effort, zero, to make new friends because I already had my friends. I was still here in Myrtle Beach. I had the people that I worked with and the friends that I had from before, so I didn't have that opportunity. Cause, but I said, like I said before, I had the opportunity in Mexico. And then when my wife and I, right after we got married, we moved to Atlanta, I had that opportunity again, six hours away from family, just starting this brand new venture in our life with marriage, and that can be very difficult. But we look back on it, and like it was great because we did it away from family. We had to rely on each other, and we both were in the process of making new friends in that new area we'd never been to before. No, I, I understand completely. I, as, I, as I mentioned, after I did the on-campus housing, the off-campus housing, and moved back here, it was back to my hometown. And similarly, dissimilarly, I should say, uh, that was when I was living with my parents and going to Coastal. So I was in that same boat where I was just going, doing what I had to do, and then leaving. Now, that's not to say I didn't make friends in that time, and I didn't develop bonds with people that I treasure. Uh, it was, but in those early survey classes, the 101s, the 102s, not such a close bond. It took time, once you got up into the familiar faces of the higher level classes, that's when you start, I started making more friends, because there was that immediate common ground. Yeah. Which was kind of interesting. But I know 100% what you're saying about that away from family, changing your life aspect, and making new friends, make it fast friends in yeah. that situation. So. Yeah. And so uh, you do bring up a good point. You do, when you get to the upper level classes, your junior and senior year, you're usually taking classes with people who have that same major. And so you're starting to see very familiar faces over and over and over again. You made friends with them. I, I did not. <laughs> I still didn't make friends, although I did have like little names for them in my head. I was like, there's a really smart girl that I'm always competing with. There's my former lab partner. I don't remember her name. There's the really stupid guy who doesn't know when to shut up. And it would, I would have these guys and these people in my classes pretty consistently, but I never actually made any effort to be their friends. I know. It's bad. It's bad. Is there a psychological word for what you were doing? It's, it's kind of antisocial, um, but I wouldn't go as far as to say that I, I was being antisocial. We wouldn't say narcissistic either on that. Um, <laughs> let me do some introspection and get back to you on that one. Let me ask you this, though, Carl. Whenever you came back and you did your last two years at Coastal, I imagine you had some friends here in the area still that didn't either didn't go to college or didn't go away to college. Absolutely. Would you say that the relationship you had with those people was different than, you, than it was before? As far as usually when someone goes off and has this big change in their life, they mature, they change. And so I think it's been an experience of a lot of people, even after a semester, a short period of time, they come back home to visit for the holidays. So much has changed, but at the same time, nothing's changed. Well, same ruts, same routines, yeah. same, same life. No, I coming back, my friends that had stayed, that were still here, uh, I fell into, again, similar routines, similar aspects, but there wasn't that big a change for me. And it was, and for many reasons, to be totally honest, I was just, I 
could not find my place. I was not comfortable in Columbia. That was one of the main reasons I came back. Mm -hmm. Was looking for that comfort, that home aspect, and that was a big bonus that my friends were here. Yeah, and that is the key reason that I ended up going to Coastal as well. Ever since I was a kid, I'm a, I'm a huge Clemson fan. Go Tigers! Don't watch sports that much, but you know, grow up in South Carolina, you have to kind of choose a team. I chose Clemson. You got to support your team, and so. It was always my goal to go to Clemson University. That was that was what I was going to do. I had the scores, I had the grades, I had everything prepared to go. And then I leave Mexico for two years. Last six months, I'm having to start thinking about those things again, where I'm going to go to school and whatnot. And I thought of what you just said, the comfort of being home. I've done the whole getting out and doing your own thing. I was like, I just want to be home. And so I'm going to Coastal instead. And that it was made more financial sense. It's a little bit cheaper, had scholarships, and Coastal is going to give me an extra thousand dollars a year just from transferring from tech. Wow. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to save money by doing this too. So that, I mean, uh, that was a factor as well. So you said you were living, when you were going to Coastal, you were living with a cousin? I lived with a cousin, my cousin, Greg, for a year and a half, and then for another year until I got married, I lived with a friend, Ryan. What's the worst aspect of roommates for you? The worst aspect. So with my cousin Greg, we actually got along great. So we had our OC nights. I think I talked to you about this before. We watched the OC. Yeah. We got we got Domino's or um, Bon John's, which are hamburgers. We had our cream soda and our M and M's and all this kind of stuff. Great. Greg, I didn't have any problems with Ryan. The main problem I had was the thermostat. I did not have the problem with Greg because we ever liked mine. When it was summertime, it's pretty much how low can we get this AC going? Can we put it at 66? It, will it go further? Can we get to 58? Let's do 58. And so you would walk up to our door in the middle of summer, and it is sweating from condensation compared to how hot it is outside and how cold it was inside. And then when you get to wintertime, we just turn everything off and open the windows. So it's an icebox in there year-round. It was great. Ryan, not so much. It would be the middle of summer, I would come home, and he would have it at 78 degrees with the heat on. And so it was a constant battle of fighting over this thermostat and trying to just be comfortable in my living situation. It's the worst. <laughs> oh, thermostats have been the bane of my existence. I was taught by my father, you just don't touch it. Exactly. And so I was living with my cousin Greg in this one apartment. He moved to go to USC for a little bit. And Ryan moved into that apartment where I was living already with Greg. And so my assumption was, this is my place. Don't touch the thermostat. It's my thermostat. And uh, he didn't see it that way. The unspoken rule and I was here first. Exactly. <laughs> and I will say this, too. If you ever live with your cousin during college, one conflict you'll potentially see that you won't face with anyone else is having to lie to your aunt for him. So, um, no, your, your son has not been drinking. No, none of that. He doesn't party. No. Toga party? I don't know what you're talking about. That didn't happen here. And so if my aunt is listening to this, just ignore this last part. If my mom's listening to this, don't let Aunt Anne hear that. Greg is just a saint and an angel in her eyes, and let's let it stay that way. Love you, buddy. <laughs> so uh, so you, actually, you seem to have had rather positive roommate experiences. Yes, but I don't think, obviously, that's not the standard. No, I think you were very lucky. As I said, my my initial roommate, <coughs> excuse me, my initial roommate in college was luck of the draw. So mm -hmm. it was just a 
another guy my age from Georgia. I will not mention his <laughs> name, but oh lord, um, he was he seemed perfectly fine. We were just literally everything about us clashed, and it not work well. So it was one of those situations where I did everything to be out of my room as much as possible yeah. because he was lights on at two in the morning, listening to music loudly, doing nope. whatever he wanted nope. in this confined, probably ten by eight <laughs> space that was yeah. uncomfortably close. So I don't want this to get into a game of one upmanship, but I can do better than that. So I had positive experiences in college. In Mexico, as a missionary, not so much. So as a missionary, you always have a companion. And unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on who you're with, you are with this person literally 24-7. You have to always be within earsight and eyeshot of that person. So you always have to see or be able to hear them. The only time you have to yourself is when you're going to the bathroom and taking a shower. And so there was one person I was with, I do not like this person. If I saw him the day, this is the only person I would ever be tempted to punch in the face. And I was with him for three months. 24-7. Not to one-up you or anything. <laughs> just going to put that out there. I was just going to talk about respect, but if you want to just play this one-up game. <laughs> what you got for me? <laughs> no, that was just it. Yeah. I, I was just thinking about the, the issues of respect. It, it, there's those tacit rules and those ideas and setting boundaries, especially with new roommates. Mm -hmm. that in hindsight, I wish I had been better at mm -hmm. when I was 17, 18 years old. Um, I think setting boundaries and expectations of, hey, it's 3 a.m. and I'm asleep. Let's not have a party in the dorm room. Right. Instead of probably being a bit more passive aggressive than I was, I'm sure your friend would uh, benefit from <laughs> a bit more clear, commu clear communication of yep. guidelines and expectations. <laughs> I think one of the problems we have with roommates and the conflict there is because it's not like we haven't lived with people before. Most of us tend to have siblings or we lived with your parents. We've lived with other people and we've interacted with them. But it's family. When it's family, even if it's the same behavior, it's, we, they kind of get a pass. Yeah, it irritates us, but we're like, we love the person. And for the most part, we like we look at it like, well, we're stuck with them for life. We've got to make this thing work, whether we like it or not. Roommate, it's like, when can we get rid of you? Right? So we're, there's, there isn't the same motivation to try to make things work. I can certainly understand that. My motivation to try to make things work was I paid a kid 20 bucks to switch rooms with me. Mm. It worked out really nicely. That me. sounds like a good deal, though. Only $20? It was 20 bucks. It was college. So 20 bucks is... That's a lot. College inflation. You gotta think about it. How many bags of candy for you? So if you get it at the right time, it's forty dollars worth. Yeah, yeah. Now I have I came up with a list of advice that I would give people as far as living away from the home for the first time. And so I'm gonna read the things I have, and then I'm gonna put you on the spot and see what you would have to add to that. Fair enough. Okay. The first one I had was don't be afraid to call home. It's okay to call your parents, just to talk to them. And so what I would suggest is that, again, don't be afraid to call home, even if it's under false pretenses. So you're calling just to say, hey, Dad, did I leave this at home knowing full well that you did not? But it's a pretense that you can call so it doesn't seem like you're actually calling because you're homesick, right? So don't be afraid to call home. Um, know that the feelings you're experiencing won't last forever. 
So if you're feeling homesick, you're feeling that anxiety or the fear or whatever, the social, isola social isolation, whatever feeling that you're experiencing, just know that it, it won't last forever as long as you are making an effort to try and adjust to the situation. See, that's a really good one. I'm sorry I took it from you. <laughs> you can't use that. Uh, two more. One was focus on the skills you're developing slash what you're learning. So we're going to college to learn. And so I think so much about college is not just the academic aspect of it, what you're going to learn in class, but the skills that you're learning in class and the life skills that you're learning outside of class, living on your own, managing the responsibility that comes with that freedom. That takes a lot of skill. And so we're developing those talents, and so I think we should focus on that. And if you're listening to this before starting college, this is my last tip, go ahead and start preparing now. The more you prepare for college, the more confidence you'll have in making that transition and the better you'll be able to do it. So now that I've set the bar pretty high, what are you going to do? Uh, what I would you suggest? My, the bit of advice I would give anyone, be a better roommate. I mean, you're thrust into the situation no matter what, whether it's someone you know or someone you don't. Like you said, family gets a pass. Roommates don't. but. We are set in our ways, and it's a great time to try to develop better habits, to try to be a better person. And that's one of the big things. When you're changing your environment, when you're changing your setting, you can change yourself. You can be who you need to be, who you should be, who you can be. And that's one of those fascinating things. And for me, I learned, it took me a while, but I learned a bit more respect for people just living with them. I learned to just shut up and ignore it. Let it go. Nine times out of ten. That, oh, and my other advice, clean up after yourself. Oh, my goodness, yes. <laughs> Do not yes. leave the dishes in the sink. Do not leave your clothes on the floor. Do not let the hamper overflow. Just close things. <laughs> yeah. Last advice, don't steal your roommate's food. Better advice. If you're going to steal their food, don't get caught. <laughs> So if they have a whole thing of Oreos, just take one or two. They won't notice that. You're going to have one Oreo. Yeah. <laughs> the slow, I like the slow nod followed by the yeah. 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 There was a guy. Yeah, I was taking his food in Mexico. I was eating his cookies. And he asked me about it. My response was, you know I'm on a diet, right? He's like, oh, yeah, that's right. And he dropped it. So I never, I, I was able to. person. <laughs> but I'm well fed with cookies. That's true. This is very true, Paul. <laughs> okay. One last thing that I will say is that if you have this freedom, right, to make the most of it, right, enjoy this time, learn from it, and don't be afraid to go to a pancake house at 2 in the morning if you're hungry. Just do it. Why not? best bonding moment I had with my second roommate was going to IHOP. Have an omelet, it's 3 a.m. Yep. Uh, again, Ann Ann, Mom, just skip this next part. But at one point, yeah, my cousin Greg, he was drunk yeah, along yeah. with one of his friends. But they were hungry. They couldn't drive. So they offered to pay for my meal if I drove them to the pancake house. So I was like, let's do it. All right. With all that being said, folks, it's time to cover our recommended readings for the week. This is where we each share something that we've come across in life somewhere or somehow, and it caught our attention. Now we want to share it with you and encourage everyone to check them out. Paul, how about you take the first round today? 
Well, with this time of year, one thing that I'm always very excited about is Chipotle. Well, let me clarify. I'm excited about Chipotle year-round. I'm really excited about it at Halloween time because they have their $3 Boo Ritos. So this is something that we started doing as a family a few years ago. It's become a tradition in that we will go to Chipotle for dinner, get our cheap Boo Ritos. We will go then trick-or-treating with our kids. And then we will go to a different Chipotle afterwards and get our $3 burritos for lunch the next day. And so now that we have more than one Chipotle here in the Myrtle Beach area, there are four, it's going to be a lot easier to do that again, which is just wonderful. I think your burrito should have been on the finance episode. Yes. They now have chorizo, guys. I'm very anxious to try it. I just read about Chipotle possibly doing burgers and pizza very soon. I'm going to ignore that. That doesn't seem to jive with me. Uh, well, my recommended reading for the week is music-related. Um, one of my favorite musicians and absolutely my favorite current poet, John K. Sampson, just put out a new record, Winter Wheat, for those of you who are suckers for amazing lyrics and some really quiet, especially for me, singer-songwriter stuff. Absolutely amazing. And if the last song doesn't make you cry, you haven't heard the first two in the movement. I assume it's on iTunes? It is on iTunes or Spotify. Okay. Bandcamp? I don't know what Bandcamp is, and I don't know how to do a link in Spotify, but I can link to iTunes. So I'll put that in the show notes. <laughs> well, that wraps up our show for this week. Thank you for listening in. We appreciate any feedback or questions you may have, so please reach out to us at failatcollege at gmail.com. You can also tweet at us with Twitter. We're at failatcollege. We're also on Instagram for the more visually inclined. We're at Fellow College there as well. If you like the show, please rate us in iTunes and subscribe to the show. This is what helps other people find us, find out about us. And we will be on Facebook. I just have got to remember my password for my own Facebook so that I can log out of that and get us signed. Sorry, Paul. It's a page you should be able to do from your already <laughs> account that you have now, so you don't, shouldn't have to worry about the password. We'll, we'll, we'll talk I about like that. I the fact that you've looked into it that much. I've had to do it. I've done a page before for so something else. <laughs> so Carl and I produce and edit the show ourselves, and our theme music is by Broke for Free. The outro music comes from Chris Dack. Until next time, we are How to Fell at College. Thank you for listening. Take care, folks. karaoke's with James Corden. Yeah. He did it with Lady Gaga. And he was asking her if she did stuff like that before a show. And that's what that was his example. Benedict Cumberbatch is Sherlock Holmes. <laughs>